following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Take control of our time and space in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Mm. Um, I also say good morning to those who are, are joining us on, online, wherever you happen to be. Um, I'm very grateful to be able to be here this morning. Uh, I'm glad to see the bridge was not too much of a problem for most of you, having slid into the river overnight. <laughs> it's slowly being replaced. Um, so we pray for all those poor folks who live on Newman Drew Road. Uh, with an influx of traffic uh, flying through there. So, well, um, new is going to happen eventually. Studying the gospel, uh, we are going to have to deal with a text that is reserved for holiday, um, and that's where we're at this morning. I don't know if it feels like it to you. If it feels like Easter. Do you feel like Palm Sunday? Um, Palm Sunday is supposed to come with palm leaves, not falling leaves. Well, either way, we are going to look at the events of Palm Sunday, regardless of whether or not it's actually Easter. Uh, We're going to look at Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through 11, and that's page 847 in the Pew Bibles. Now, I have to admit it's hard enough to deal with this event once a year, but it's uh, 2020, so why not deal with it twice? All right, Mark chapter 11, start at verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in a street, and they untied it, and some of those who are standing there, said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told him what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before them, and those who followed, were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray together. Father, again, we are thankful you have brought us together in this place this morning or have allowed us to gather uh, online. We are grateful for that, Lord. We pray again that your spirit will speak through your word. We know these are your words preserved for us to read, but not just to read, to understand and to gain wisdom and grow closer to you. 
So, Father, we pray that your Spirit would do that work among us. Convict us, Lord, of our sin and reveal your goodness again to us. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, of course, this is a very uh, important event, incredibly important event, not just a flannel graph Sunday school lesson. I remember this very well from, uh, from Sunday school and folding up palm fronds into little crosses and all that sort of thing, um, and colorful pictures of Jesus riding a tiny little donkey and, um, and all that. But what's going on here? Is Jesus fulfilling prophecy? Um, words from the Lord given through the prophets hundreds and hundreds of years before uh, before this event, and that's incredibly significant. It's not a random. Um, well, there was a, yeah, Zechariah said there's going to be a guy doing this, and then there was a guy that did do that, but you know. That's kind of coincidental. When Jesus fulfilled prophecy, when you fulfill one, that's a, okay, maybe you got lucky, all right? You fulfill two, or maybe play the megabucks on your way home or something like that, right? But three, now you're talking, we're, we're going into the realm of difficult to impossible, right? How about a hundred prophecies, right? How about hundreds? This is Jesus. This is no mistake. This is no accident. This isn't just a colorful story so that Sunday school teachers have something to talk about with the kids. <laughs> Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt. The foal of a donkey. Uh, This was not written on the way down to Jerusalem that day. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And I just want to make sure we understand when a Bible uses the word Zion, you've heard this word before. Zion is a name of a hill and is the, or Mountain, right? We live in New Hampshire, so not really mountain, but it's a hill for them, a big mountain, right? Mount Zion is where the temple was built, right? On top of Mount Zion. Because it's not really very majestic to say that bump over there we call Zion. Mount Zion, right? Matthew quotes this same verse from Zechariah 9.9 in his gospel account of this event. And why is it significant that Jesus is riding a donkey on a foal? Well, not just to fulfill prophecy, but Jesus riding the foal of a donkey tied him directly to King David. King David famously rode a donkey into the city of Jerusalem and had a favorite donkey for triumphal processions. And you can read about that in Chronicles. Um, his son uh, Solomon rode a donkey into Jerusalem when he was anointed king on David's favorite donkey. In the Old Testament, also, it was only young, unblemished, unused animals that were used for sacred purposes. Anytime um, 
say, go get a, a, an ox. It's a young, unblemished, this never bore a yoke. Right? It's at least three times the Old Testament to say, uh, get an animal not used for anything else. And we're going to use it for sacred purposes. Why, um, why do you think it's significant they put the coats, put their coats on the donkey? I never thought about that. Um, put your coat on the donkey because that's what people do. Put right? It's cold. It's Easter time, you know, early spring. So donkey clearly cold. You throw your coat on it. Mm, no, that was dumb. Don't. They didn't have a saddle. They didn't have a saddle. That's exactly right. It's not, oh, the ceremonial. No, there's no saddle, so throw the coats on, over the top of the donkey. Well, what's the big deal about that? This, again, testifies to the humility of the Lord Jesus. This is not a, a rich king comes in with a white horse and a big saddle or ride a chariot or whatever, not on a donkey, and he can't even afford a saddle, right? Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head in a nose saddle. So it once again testified to the humility of Christ, the King. But it's not just the words of Zechariah that are being fulfilled, the words of Psalm 118 in its entirety also being fulfilled in this event. You may recognize some of these words. We've sung them already this morning. Someone was looking at the notes beforehand. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surround me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. 
This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. It's a no wonder so many songs are found here in this text. Bring praise to the Lord. This is exactly what Jesus is doing right here in this moment, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. He's on his way to the altar to be offered as the festal sacrifice. What's the feast? Passover. Jesus is the ultimate and final Passover lamb. These words uh, were finding their fulfillment in Jesus as he entered Jerusalem and in the events of the week that followed. Also, the words of Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, describe what was happening in a little more broad cosmic sense. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs, (laughs) and the Lord holds them in derision, and he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. You tell me, can you not hear the echoes, the words of 2020 here in this text? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords away from us. Does not our society want to cast off The old, stale rules of religion. Nobody wants to act that way anymore. Come on, join us in the current whatever. You don't need that old-fashioned stuff anymore. These words are being fulfilled even now. And as people scoff at the Lord, scoff at his plan, scoff at his church, and cast that stuff aside, the Lord in heaven laughs but the rest of that is not funny he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury because he says as for me I have set my king on Zion my holy hill God the father has set Jesus his son as king on the holy hill of Zion the hill the temple sat on. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus was entering Jerusalem on the donkey that day. He was entering not as a peasant, not as a wandering prophet. He was entering Jerusalem as his king. A humble king. 
more powerful than any king who has ever lived. And he was set in place by God the Father. Not in a palace. He didn't go to where the Roman governor lived. But he went to the holy hill of Mount Zion. He went to the temple. No fancy parade with shiny gold and pomp and circumstance and trumpets. But with shouts of the poor. Shouts of the pilgrims. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It seems like every year, Palm Sunday, I preach the same message, no matter how I try to change it. You know, this time, this year, I'm going to stand on my left foot and preach the same sermon I preached last year on my right foot, just to mix things up. Every year, it seems I say things like, Jesus was not the kind of king that the people expected. They're not the kind of king that he was looking for. And the people wanted a political Messiah, not a spiritual Messiah. And that's still true. And that's still true today. These statements, the expectations of the Jewish people then were for a political savior. And people's opinions today are the same. We want Jesus to solve the problems with society. If Jesus would just fix society, we'd be okay. <laughs> like we're separate from society, right? <laughs> we're not. Society's made up of people. And if you want to solve the world's problems, there's one solution, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. If people do not come to know Jesus, nothing will change. You want better laws, you want better politicians. Fine. Pray for politicians and laws and bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. You want a political Messiah, it needs to start in a changed hearts of people. Otherwise, all that other stuff is a waste of time. But that's, that was last year's Palm Sunday sermon, so we can't talk about that today. What struck me in my study of these verses this time is actually the last verse in our text. Jesus enters the city on a donkey, like King David did, not with royal trumpets or flashy saddle, but with coats laid over and the shouts of humble villagers and pilgrims. And instead of marching to the palace to kick out the Romans, he doesn't go up and find Pilate and wring his neck or throw him off a balcony or something, he goes to the temple. Verse 11. And he entered Jerusalem, and he went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Well, this, I'm sure, was the climax everybody was waiting for. Right? <laughs> Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, our father David, the kingdom, Yahoo! Hey, the, um, the, uh, the palace is over here, Jesus. That's the way to the temple. We want Pilate. Go get him. Nope. This has got to be, on the surface at least, the most anticlimactic thing Jesus could have possibly done. In fact, it seems in our text 
that he didn't do anything. Right? Comes in, ride a donkey, people shouting, waving the palm branches, making a mess in the streets. Jesus goes to the temple, and he looks around for a little while, and then he left. No speech, no battle, no pilot getting tossed off the balcony. Would have liked to see that, but nothing. Well, you must know better than that by now. Not nothing at all. In looking at that verse, I think we're left with a question. Because it's specific. Jesus goes to the temple, and after looking around at everything, he goes back to Bethany with the twelve. What do you suppose he was looking for? They entered Jerusalem, went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. What was he looking for? Like, I left the keys to my car in here someplace. Is that what he's looking for? What was he looking for? I'm sure he found people in the temple. You're right. He's looking for people. He looked around at everything. That's also important. Not just like, out of here. And we know from the verses that follow exactly what he found. And we'll talk about that next week, more specifically. But for now, we know what he found. He found the temple full, right? Full of people, full of activity. There are priests and there's scribes and there's sacrifices going on and there's people buying pigeons in order to sacrifice them and people exchanging currency in order to make the proper kind of offering to the temple, have to exchange it into temple money, not just regular money. The temple was full, but empty. What Jesus found, he found the temple full of people, full of activity, full of sacrifices, full of religion, but empty of faith, empty of true worship. The temple once stood as a symbol of God's presence among his people. But here in this text, it stood as a symbol of empty and lifeless religion. Jesus went to the temple and looked around to see if he could find faith on the earth. And he found none. It's no wonder that he left and went back to Bethany with his disciples. Because there was faith in Bethany. There was faith among his followers. And I can't help but read that and not wonder if this doesn't also stand as a warning to us. A warning to Christ church, church with a capital C. Is the church of Jesus Christ full of people, but empty of faith? Full of activity? 
you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.